guys welcome back to floral couch conversations i'm emily and i'm Alyssa. and this is our is this third or fourth third i think it's our third 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 book club book episode club. and we're talking about small sacrifices by ann rule so if you haven't read it we'll give you a little synopsis and like you'll probably still enjoy this episode actually because it's a crazy story and it's real, so I feel like that just adds to it. But if you would like to read it before you hear us spoil everything, then you should probably turn this off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now you've been warned, and let's get into it. So before we get, like, dive deep, what are what were your thoughts before you started reading the book? Like, what did you expect I expected it to be super suspenseful, and it it was kind of, but like also I feel like I knew what was happening the whole time, mm-hmm. and that like sounds dumb because it's like a real story, but I didn't know any of like the real story, but it just had a lot of detail. Yeah. So I like, but I was expecting to be more like a suspenseful novel mm-hmm. or, but like obviously it's nonfiction. yeah what did you think going into it i had no expectations i didn't even realize it was a true story until i started reading it um and then i like looked it up and was like oh wait this is actually real and this lady has written like true crime novels about like a bunch of other stuff too yeah i didn't realize that till the end of the book when she kind of talked about yeah it um so should we give it a synopsis? Yeah. So basically this book is about a lady named Diane Downs. And back in the early 1980s, she was like 28 years old and already had three children mm-hmm. and was driving them down an old country road in Oregon and basically ended up driving them to a hospital and saying, someone shot my kids. And like all three of her kids had been shot in the chest. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they like got all the kids in the hospital and they did the best that they could to save them. And one of them ended up dying and two were like disabled for the rest of their lives. They basically all this like not everything added up and a lot of people were suspicious that she shot them even though like her story was that this man stopped them in the road and ended up and tried to steal her car and when she said no he ended up shooting her kids yeah and i didn't realize um the book talked about how like the big hairy man Mm -hmm. it's kind of like oftentimes what people like will describe if they're like faking yeah like it's like, like a theory that investigators have yeah it's like yeah almost like a textbook thing right. yeah like what people usually try to pin it on mm-hmm. pin something on and so the book goes into it describes like in a lot of detail then that night and the recovery and then it goes into the investigation and then eventually the trial and ultimately she is convicted of Uh, murder attempted murder and assault yep but you don't know that until the end so the entire book kind of goes into it tells the first premise of the story and then it goes back in time to like diane's childhood Mm -hmm. and everything about her um 
and like everything that happened in her marriages and in her childhood, her relationship with her parents and her siblings and kind of how she became the way that she is, which. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little because I feel like she had kind of a rough childhood and I didn't know if that was the author's way of trying to make us like have a little sympathy for her. And that's definitely like what her lawyer tried to spin her childhood as Mm -hmm. because she was like molested as a child. But I don't know. It was almost like a, it was interesting because that would come up a lot, but like nothing was ever done to like investigate it, press chart, like question it, anything like that. Right. So a lot of the things in her background were that she was molested by her father Mm -hmm. as a little girl and that her husband was like abusive towards her. Right. But I think that she was also abusive towards him. Like it was just like a really bad situation. Well, and she like openly acknowledged she was also kind of abusive to her children. Right. So I just think it was like toxic environment all around. Yeah. So a lot of the book goes into like super, super intricate details of like her brain and like things that were happening. And you like really get into like her mindset And I feel like that was really hard to read and Mm -hmm. like almost exhausting and like hard to let go of after like you were done reading. I agree because she could never admit to any wrongdoing. And that is so frustrating to me. Like the facts show all these things and she Mm -hmm. would never admit to anything. Like she was always the victim in every scenario and not to say she wasn't like bad things did happen to her in her life that she survived. But yeah, she just like no ownership. Yeah. But they explain that and like she had signs of three different personality disorders, like narcissistic mm-hmm. personality, antisocial, which is like psychopath. And um, I'm blanking on the other one. It's like starts with an S, I feel like. Sar. Oh, histronic is the third one. Yeah. And what did that mean? So a person with histronic personality seeks attention, talks dramatically with strong opinions, is easily influenced, has rapidly changing emotions and thinks relationships are closer than they are. That I think was like the hardest one for me to read in her like mindset. Mm -hmm. So as the investigation goes on, like all these people are suspicious of her and these people are investigating, but they can't pin down like real evidence that would allow for them to arrest her. Like they could have arrested her, but they wanted to do it in a way that was like, okay, we only did this because we know for sure that she's guilty. Right. Cause they didn't want to get into a case cause they didn't have the murder weapon. They didn't mm-hmm. want to get into a case of double jeopardy yeah. where they couldn't actually charge her. Yeah. So throughout this investigation, they're interviewing her and her family and they interview her like so many times and she changes her story like a million times. Like first she says it was one guy, then she says it was two guys and then she says that they knew her and then she says that she knew them, but then she says that she didn't know who they were. And that was like the hardest thing to keep track of, I think. Yeah, and it just like blows my mind that like, I don't know. It's hard to even like comprehend that she could change her story so many times. The other thing that was crazy was her journals. Like she recorded 
her every thought and like every move in a journal or a tape recorder, which was maybe part of her like narcissism. Right. Well, because they the book talks a lot about how like she seemed to want notoriety, like mm-hmm. like she'd give every like talk to the media every chance she could mm-hmm. while they were like the investigation was happening. And then while she was actually on trial as well. And so it's almost like she wanted to be famous because she was working with someone to write a book that she wanted written. The one that oh, we yeah. read, she mm-hmm. didn't want written. Yeah. <laughs> because it made her sound bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As someone who like writes in a journal a lot, I was like, wow, this is too much. Is your journal as detailed? No. <laughs> like it's that scene where she like towards the end of the book where she was like about she got kicked out of her parents' house and she was about to get arrested and she was just sitting in a bar by herself journaling and she was pregnant and, and she was drinking, drinking bourbon. Yeah. I was like, what is happening? Yes. Yeah. Ugh. So it's basically just like crazy thing after crazy thing happens. Like you find out about her childhood and then you find out about her abusive marriage and relationships. So she has two, she has one kid, right? No, she has two kids with her husband. Yep. Um, and then they decide they don't want to have any more. So her husband gets a vasectomy and then she basically had children to like fulfill this need in herself that like she needed to be needed and wanted what she called pure love, which she could only get from a child and being pregnant. Right. Which it never ended up being the kind of love she wanted. Yeah. Children also don't always agree with their parents. Mm -hmm. So they're just humans. And, um, so she decides she wants to have a third kid no she has an abortion she has an abortion then the guy gets a her her husband gets a vasectomy then she decides she wants to have another child and that was to replace the one that she aborted because she felt guilt over it yeah so she finds this other like 19 year old kid and like seduces him and then gets pregnant yep and then I wanted to know what happened to that guy through everything. Right. Because he like it, they talked a little bit about how he wanted to like raise his son and mm-hmm. like be involved and like and she would only like let him see him when she needed a babysitter mm-hmm. and it was like convenient. So, yeah, I wish that'd be interesting because they never like interviewed. They didn't talk about interviewing him or investigating him at all during the investigation. No, they didn't. So, well, I think they, I think they might have touched on it, but like he wasn't. Or they didn't say like he came to visit when his found out his child was shot. That would be interesting. I wonder if there's more info out there. Yeah. So, and then she goes and decides to look into surrogacy. Yeah, because she can feel the love of growing a child inside of her. But then she can give the baby away and not have to deal with it. Basically. basically. <laughs> and through the process of surrogacy, she has to take some like psycho psych evaluations, which she basically fails. Like, mm-hmm. Which is kind of scary because they were just like so desperate to find someone willing to be a surrogate that they're like, well, whatever. Yeah. They like basically like made him so she passed. Mm-hmm. And 
like kind of a side tangent, but one of the tests they took was like a Minnesota yeah. based test. Had you ever heard of that before? It's like a 500 question. I have heard of it just like in psychology classes, I think, but I didn't like really know anything about it. Yeah, me neither. But I thought it was interesting mm-hmm. that it was Minnesota. But anyway, so she, yeah, ultimately has a kid that she gives up for sur- as a surrogate. And throughout this whole thing, I feel like they're talking about how like she's pretty promiscuous and how beautiful she is yeah i feel like every other paragraph was like she was dressed in this looking beautiful as always and like the media loved her she was so soft and looked like princess diana and i don't know i looked at the pictures and i was like maybe it's just because i know everything she did but that's what i was trying to think too i was like okay one like she's uh, like, kind of cold and creepy well and she's got like the definition of crazy eyes mm-hmm. like where you can see the white all the way around and like i can kind of see the princess diana comparison like very loosely but yeah yeah and it, yeah i was like i wonder if i would have felt this way if i saw a picture of her like out of the context of this book but i was like i don't know what they were seeing in mm-hmm. her <laughs> Yeah, so, but the craziest part, I was like, oh my gosh, when she tricks that guy into getting her pregnant during the investigation. Yeah. So, like, she basically becomes famous because everyone knows she's, like, a murder suspect. And either, she's either A, a murder suspect, or B, like, a A victim. A grieving mother. Grieving mother of, like, children, her three children who got shot and one who died. And... She, like, sees this guy in a park bench and, like, basically, it's kind of one of those histronic things, like, thinks relationships are closer. Yeah. Because he was just like, okay, well, whatever, we can hang out um, and, like, hook up. And she was, like, writing letters to him like she was in love with him. Right. Um. And we haven't even touched on the whole Lou part of it. I was thinking it. that. I was like, wow, there are so many, like pieces to yeah story. so the people who thought that she was guilty were trying to prove that she shot her kids to get rid of them so that she could be with this guy basically who she was having an affair with because he didn't want kids like he didn't want to be a father and he also like didn't want like any inconveniences yeah she said inconveniences a lot um so they were trying to prove that she shot her kids so that she could be with her lover who didn't want children um which they like interviewed that guy and he was like working with the police to try to get her to admit that she shot them yeah because he was like he believed that scenario too and was like scared mm-hmm. for the life of like his own wife yeah. and stuff isn't that so okay when they interviewed him lou and nora yes and he told the whole story about what happened and how she did so many crazy things like shot the ground and like took a gun out and like threatened stuff and he kept going back to her and like hanging out with her yeah i also thought it was interesting because when he was talking to the detectives about this his wife was right there Mm -hmm. who all of this like cheating happened and she was just like adding to the story and the timeline and just like they i don't know overcame that i guess but it was just like so many times he'd go back to his wife and then go back to diane and i was like and he gave his wife like chlamydia 
Right. Because Diane gave it to him. Because Yes. I was like cringing. I was like, how? Yeah. Or gonorrhea. It was gonorrhea. It, yeah. I don't remember. They described it really grossly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. There's so many signs. I don't know how she seduced so many people. It was just like unbelievable story after unbelievable story. And like the whole thing was just crazy. Yeah. And then. So I didn't finish the part about how she like seduced this guy in a park oh, bench. Yes. <laughs> and he kind of started to distance himself and he was like, okay, this is getting weird. I don't think we should hang out. And he even like moved houses so she wouldn't know where he lived. Yeah, yeah. But then he still like hooked up with her one more time. And that's when she got pregnant because she was like, hey, I'm on birth control. It's fine. Even though it was like reverse psychology, like lying, like, hey, I'm actually extremely fertile right now. And then she got pregnant. It's kind of like. Like, cause she can change her personality so much that it's like she's she is whoever, whatever the person wants her right. to be. It's like um, that's kind of what antisocial is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and they even talked about actually that too, in like the way she speaks, how like she speaks in um, like cliches because she doesn't know like sh- how a normal person should just like feel. Mm-hmm. She just like imitates it yeah which i thought was interesting but the whole pregnancy this last pregnancy was very key throughout the trial because then when she was like right after she got pregnant she got charged and taken to tri- and a whole time on trial they're like is she going to give birth to this baby and this is going to delay everything mm-hmm. and well it was another thing like look like how could you like try this like extremely pregnant, fragile woman. Right. It helped the defense's yeah. case. Yeah. Well, and then the other added pieces, and you touched on kind of the evidence and how they were waiting to bring her to trial. And what they ended up, when they ended up actually charging her is when her daughter, the surviving daughter, was able to, through therapy, actually identify her mother as a killer. And... But she was so fragile, so they wanted her to be comfortable testifying and seeing her mom in the courtroom. And so they waited till she kind of came to that on her own and then pressed charges. But then if she were to um, give birth and the trial was delayed, they were scared that the daughter would kind of lose her confidence to stand up there on trial. Yeah, that was another part that we didn't even talk about was that the two surviving kids went to foster care and then were in therapy to try to remember what happened so that they could or at least the older one who's nine christy tried to testify against her mom because early on she showed signs that it was her mom like Mm -hmm. she was like afraid whenever the mom would come in the hospital yeah, even and when she was unconscious, her blood pressure would spike yeah. when her mom was in the room. And then um, they like had a court order where Diane wasn't able to contact her kids at all or be around them. But she, but the dad was Steve. So he came one day and like was out with the kids and basically let Diane 
come and see the kids when she wasn't supposed to. And she t- and Diane t- took Christy away. And then as soon as she came back to Christy came back to her foster home and therapy, they were like, wow, like she has regressed back to zero. Right. Like all the progress we've made with her ha- is gone after being with her mom for like two hours. Right. And they didn't know that was why at first. Mm-hmm. And then they put it together and were like, this makes so much sense. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting, too, because they talked a lot about how the foster mom, whenever Christy would like ask questions or remember things, the foster mom's answer would just be like, oh, and she had to tell herself to do that because she didn't want to persuade her either way. She Mm -hmm. wanted her to have her own memories. And so she had to like consciously be like, oh, and like keep her away from the media and all that. That was like, I don't know. I feel like the foster family and those two kids are like can't even imagine amazing (laughs) yeah so eventually through therapy she's able to remember and be strong enough to say like no she's wrong she's not telling the truth like my mom shot me basically and so they get her to testify in court and then then that's how the jury convicts diane yeah Well, partially that and partially, like, they let Diane take the stand, Mm -hmm. which I think also, because she, like, talked in circles and rambled, she kind of, like, put the extra nail in her own coffin Mm -hmm. because, like, she didn't make sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then we think it's over, right? Yeah. Then we think it's over. She goes to jail. But no. Apparently, it's the world's easiest prison to escape. Yeah. Three years later. (laughs) Or four, three or four years later. Yeah. She escapes. And this is the other crazy part. She escapes. They're like, they know she escapes. They know she's out there. It's been like, what, like, like two, was it two, two weeks? weeks or something? Yeah. And they can't find her. And eventually they figure it out. So they think that she's as far as like California or back in Arizona. Like she could be anywhere. Like trying to find Lou again. Yeah. And so they have like, people on alert all around the country but she's literally like two blocks from the prison in a house where the husband of one of the ladies she was in prison with and she's like sleeping with the husband of her like one of her friends from prison basically right who then you find out was a lady who like told diane where to go once she got out of prison she like drew her a map and like they found out she drew her a map and where she was based on looking at like the indents in a notepad. Yes. That the map was drawn on. Which is crazy. Yeah. I didn't know that they had like the technology to do that. Like I just also finished last night um, Where'd You Go Bernadette? And they also talk about the indents and like being able to read those, mm-hmm. which I thought was, oh, yeah. was interesting. Um. Did you like that side note? I wanted to see what happened, but also afterwards I was like, nothing really happened. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, eh. People talk about how good of a book it is, <laughs> and I'm like, nothing happens. Yeah, like I was like, mm, like really, I just kind of hate the dad. Yeah. And yeah, that's about it. Like nothing. Yep. Okay, good. I'm glad we're on the <laughs> <Yes>. same page. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> so yeah they find her and then they send her to um a higher security prison interestingly enough too while 
like one of the people they put on alert was Anne Rule, the author of this book, because Diane was mad that she oh, was right. painting yeah. such a bad picture of her, which mm-hmm. I think is so interesting. Like, I listened to this other podcast where this lady um, corresponds with like serial killers in prison. She's, I think she's working on a book or something and how like she tries to like basically find their humanity and like whatever. But I just like, I don't know. That would be so scary to try to like correspond with these like t- people. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Not for me. No, me neither. Probably won't read any more of these books either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So did you look up where there, where everyone is now? Yeah. So immediately after finishing the book, I looked up like like all the things I could find about like what's happening now. Yeah. And it said that she was originally up for parole in 2008 and they denied. And then like two years later, she was up again in 2010 and they denied. And then now there's a new rule that, that you're once you're denied parole, you're not up for it again for another t- 10 years. So now it's like 2021. I think that's what it said. Yeah. Which. And she is like 60 something now. Yeah. Let me see. Well, she was, yeah, 28 in the 80s. Um. Okay. So another article I found was Doc who saved murderer's kid after she shot her in 83 shares chilling interaction. And this was March 20, 2019. Oh, so recently the doctor spoke out? Yeah, and there's a video of him, but but yeah, he kind of goes through everything that happened um, and how he, like, he was the one who they called. Like, he was on call and they were like, we need to get this guy here. And so he's like, I jumped in my car. He's like, I hit over 100 miles an hour coming here on the freeway. Um, and then he like talks about getting there and then he said um he went to go update diane on her daughter's condition and he was surprised by her reaction not one tear you know she just asked how is she doing not one emotional reaction she said things like boy this has really spoiled my vacation and that really ruined my new car i got blood all over the back of it i knew within 30 minutes of talking with that woman that she was guilty um and then he said even more shocking was when Downs told him that she knew Christy was brain dead and told him, I want you to pull the plug. In other words, let her die. And I said, we don't know that she's doing well and I'm not going to pull the plug. I was very stern with her. Um, and he's, he was the one who found the judge to issue the court order to, um, to make him and the other doctor Christy's guardian. Oh, and um, he said, with that, we were free to treat her as need be. And Diane couldn't, she could say whatever we want, she wanted, but we just ignored it. Um, when Diane showed up, Christy's pulse rate went up high and you could see terror on her face. She was afraid of her mother. This is the person who's supposed to be on my side and she's not. And Christy knew that. Um, the stroke Christy suffered impaired her speech, initially preventing her from telling the police what happened. Yeah, that's another key part of those stories that it took her a while to learn how to. Yeah, to they have a words. picture of Diane in 2010. Can I see? Yeah, she looks, I mean, like an old lady. Can you see? Yeah. I don't know. The whole thing just like. Then the rest of the article just talks about the story. Do you think I was like 
scared to look it up but i did look up to see when she got parole like because i was like i don't know how i will mentally deal if she's out like wandering the streets like a free person but now 2021 is coming up for some reason in march a bunch of stories came out about this like there's there's like a people article daughter convicted child killer diane downs opens up about relationship with mom i think this is the one that she put up for adoption so maybe because she came out about her story it kind of resurfaced all of the interviews and stuff maybe let's see who this is the one she put up for adoption meaning the one she was pregnant with while she was on trial yeah okay oh yeah becky babcock was her name when she got adopted so yeah back in like 2010 so the story with the one who she put up for adoption was Basically, she went to prison. She had the baby, and then they had to give it up for adoption because she was in jail. And the guy that she seduced didn't, didn't want yeah, anything he signed, to do with it. He signed all of the parental rights, rights away. Yeah. So she grew up knowing she was adopted, but then um, wanted to figure out who her mom was, and like found out from a babysitter what her biological mom's name was. And then went to a bookstore and found this book, Small Sacrifices by Anne Rule, and was like, uh, what? And then she never told her parents that she knew about it. She, like, told her boyfriend that, like, some tidbits about it. And so then he rented the movie that they made from this book. And she watched it. And after that went on, like, a really bad downward spiral. And like ended up getting pregnant at 17 and and then like turning her life around later but it's just crazy yeah i feel like i don't know how i feel like oftentimes like movie plots are like the nature versus nurture if like a parent is like has a really bad quality is that somewhere inside of you and like i feel like I can't imagine what finding something like that out does to you. Not that what says anything about her, but I can imagine that 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 has to be like such a whirlwind of emotions. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So then she talks about how she eventually decided to write to Diane and that they like wrote a few letters back and forth, but that the letters that Diane was writing back were all about like conspiracy theories and like, I'm innocent and this is who really did it and and then started like blaming Becky that she was like a part of the theory like the conspiracy and like was the one holding her in prison and that Becky after that was just like no thanks I'm done yeah I don't know it's just like the combination of the three illnesses like there's so many odd things that like are just not typical reactions or emotions in the situation mm-hmm. that i feel like we haven't even like scratched the surface yeah like, to give all the examples like and clearly if that's when if she wrote out that or like it's clearly hasn't gotten better if this if her adopted daughter had to cut ties as well yeah so i'm reading i'm finding this other article about where her kids are now and there's not a lot of information about uh christy and danny which the book we should say talked about so the the da that was pressing charges so like the district attorney that was um arguing to put diane in jail was 
like got so close to the case because he was called initially when it happened and like in the hospital and like felt this like overwhelming need to protect the kids that were still alive and so um he kind of took like a vested interest in the case and like they talk all the time about like how he lost a bunch of weight from the stress and like didn't sleep and eventually he ends up adopting christy and danny yeah so they grew up as because I think they changed their names, too, because on Wikipedia, it says Christy Hugie or whatever. Yeah, was. I was saying Hugie. Hugie. I don't know what it actually is. Yeah, um, which is the DA's last name. So this says it's heavy.com. So I'm not really sure how accurate this is. but <laughs> Sounds reputable. Um, <laughs> Christy Downs, now 44, and her brother, 39, because this was written in June. Um, were adopted by the prosecutor in the case. Christy was a star witness in her mother's prosecution. She testified that her mother was a shooter. Christy's Facebook page shows she has children, has a different married last name, and is living in Oregon. So she's living in Oregon still. Okay. Heavy is withholding that last name in the photos to protect her privacy. Her Facebook photos showcase a loving family living in living a normal life. She graduated from the University of Oregon, and she named one of her children after her dead sister, Cheryl. Aww. According to Oprah.com, Christy and Danny have chosen to live private lives. In 1989, the Associated Press reported that then 14-year-old Christy Ann was left with speech impairment and 9-year-old Danny is paralyzed from the waist down. The lead prosecutor in the case, attorney Fred Hugie, adopted the children. Oh, yeah. Then it talks about Ann Rule's novel and shows some pictures of becky babcock she's the only one who's like chosen to be in the public which eye. makes sense because christy and danny like that was so traumatic right. like they just they wanna, like, had to like live with them. her as their mom right yeah. like they remembered the abuse and the mm-hmm. craziness and how they'd be hungry and have you watched any videos of Diane speaking? No, I'm kind of freaked out. I to know do there's it. one right here. I'm like, should I click on it? Should we pause and watch it quick? Sure. Okay, so we just paused and watched the 2020 special of her talking. Like it showed clips of her interviews and then was interviewing some of the reporters that had interviewed her back in the time when it was happening. And she, yeah, she like smiles and says weird stuff. And she like laughed and never, mm-hmm. never once cried during the interviews and had just kind of like a blank look on her face. Yeah. It was like kind of creepy to watch. Yeah. Like it just doesn't, gives you kind of chills. So I feel like. It's hard to sum up in like a 30 minute plus episode, like all the intricacies of this book. It was 500 pages long, first of all. That's like a Harry Potter book. Right. Well, yeah, but there's just so many examples of like, of how her story didn't add up and different things that point to the fact that she. Yeah. To me, it got a little repetitive towards the end. And I just like the the amount of detail was like too much for me. And -hmm. I just wanted to know what happened. I was like, okay, I get it. Just tell me what happened. Right. And so I found myself kind of skimming and like skipping over stuff. But but then I didn't want to miss like and like a certain detail, you know? Yeah, that's true. Because I feel like we heard everything. 
several times and then we had to hear it all verbatim on the trial Mm -hmm. which like part of me was like i liked hearing how the trial actually went word for word Mm -hmm. and like the responses and when she was caught off guard and different things but it was hard it was a hard read but i kind of want to know more about ann rule and how she like decided to get into this yeah um and how like like, did she find out about this case and then, like, immediately be like, okay, I got to be there. Like, I got to get into that courtroom so that I can write down what happened and then write this book. Right. I don't know. Yeah. It'd be interesting. I'll have to look up after we're done recording. Like, I know she has other books, but was this, like, yeah. she, how did she get into this field? Because, like... They interviewed her in the video we just watched. She's, like, a cute little old lady. She kind of reminds me of um, Dr. Pepper. Oh, yeah. From, from Married at First Sight. Sight. <laughs> I don't know. I got that vibe from her. But, um, yeah. So, if you want more detail, check out the book. Um, And if you read this book and or are even listening to this story and just feel like you need something happy to cheer you up. This is random, but um, the show Four Weddings and a Funeral on Hulu is <laughs> like literally the greatest thing I've ever seen. It made me so happy to watch it. It's just like a little 10 episode series, yeah. like a kind of a short story. And it's based on the movie Four Weddings and a Funeral. It's so good. Okay. Good, good PSA. I also just finished reading The Friend Zone um, by Abby Jimenez. I don't know if I said that right. Um, which I didn't realize. Well, first of all, it's a rom-com. I really enjoyed it. And I laughed. I cried. It can had I, all the Can feels. I have it? Do you have it? Yeah. And it was really good. Really emotional. There's a second book coming out. But I didn't realize the author is from Minnesota and is the lady that started Nadia Cakes the cupcake company here so kind of cool also that is cool an author slash cupcake cupcake shop owner yeah because there's a few locations of those Mm -hmm. i've i always went to the maple grove one fun fact (laughs) good stuff yeah so okay well some lighter reads we hope you enjoyed our (laughs) recap of this book I feel like it was really hard to kind of streamline a discussion about it, but there's just so many pieces Mm -hmm. to the puzzle. Yes. So if you read it, let us know what you thought. Yeah. And And check out our next book club book. I found you by Lisa Jewell. And we will link that so you can buy it on Amazon or get it at your library. And our November book club episode will be out on December 2nd. So into december but just barely (laughs) yeah so you have time to read it yes awesome thanks everyone for listening to this book club episode of floral couch conversations you can find us on facebook and instagram at floral couch conversations let us know if you're liking these episodes and if there's any book suggestions that you have that you want us to talk about in the future and let us know in general uh, what you think about our podcast hopefully it's five stars you can rate us wherever you listen to podcasts and find us at floralcouchconversations.com thanks everybody bye bye